0: I said to Colin, I should give you a health warning. Anybody feeling seasick? <laughs> Let's call that one the, the, the merchant vessel wayfarer, shall we? So the ship, the merchant vessel wayfarer, is out there in a storm on the ocean taking on water fast. And the crew are running around between keeping the engines and the pumps running or, or, or just giving it up and dropping the lifeboats. But they need the captain's order. And he's going to the radio room. And he asked the operator again whether he's any response to their Mayday, Mayday calls. And the radio operator is shaking his head again when they hear a voice coming over the radio speaker. Wayfarer, wayfarer, what is your position? The help that the boat and crew need is now waiting for that answer. What is your position? In our own lives, it's no less essential that we know the position we are in, where we are, what condition we are in, what help, supply, answer we need. That's why I'm asking this question today. But this is not an invitation to soul-searching, what they used to call navel-gazing, you know. (laughs) I I, I know what's inside me, right? The Bible answer is no good thing. (laughs) So, you know, searching inside me is not going to come up with much much of any good at all, is it? My help comes from the Lord. It's a call to action. You see, as Christians, we get to choose our position. We can, by the grace of God, change our position. Is that true? It's called salvation, isn't it? We're taken away from this into something else translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of night, from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God's dear Son. We get to change our position. And having been saved, now living under the grace of God, we can continue to make choices. And we can continue to change. The grace of God enables us to do so. Throughout the teaching of the Lord Jesus, which is followed up by the letters of the apostolic writers, there's a recurring theme. It's this. Be alert. Be ready. Be prepared. Watch. Not just for the coming of the Lord Jesus, but on a daily basis. Don't be uninformed. Don't be unaware. Don't be unprepared. Let me give that as a headline for you. Choose, change your position. What is your outlook? What is your expectation? John Glass was speaking a lot about that last week. Now I know from my own experience that when some prophetic people speak of positioning... And they they roll up with words like, you know, there's an acceleration coming and there's a promotion coming and this and this and this. It can sound really very impressive. But when you go away and say, well, what is that and when does it happen? and What do I need to do? The answer is, "Uh uh-uh. No clue. It's so much hot wind, really. It's high sounding, but has no practical application. There's too much prophesying like that. All wind and words, but nothing real, nothing solid, nothing that you get hold of. I'm so glad that John, with us last Sunday, was both prophetic, pastoral, and very, very practical. I want to use this morning to follow up on his excellent time with us with some more practical application. What do we mean by being positioned? First of all, position yourself before the Lord. To receive from the Lord, to be energized and used by the Lord, a person needs to know that they're looking to him. person in whatever need of help would have to do something. It spells out car, by the way. Come to him, ask of him, receive from him. You see it played out again and again in the Gospels. People in need come to Jesus. They seek him out. They they, they seek his face. They, They seek his presence. And then they've got a request to make of him. And if they don't make it, Jesus asks them, what do you want? And then they receive from him, in many and various ways. And some, but sometimes when the Lord was confronted with someone in need, a leper, a blind man, a cripple, a whatever person with a sick child, he would ask them that rather strange question, what do you want? Now I've said before, I'm sure at such moments the disciples would mutter among themselves, of course you know what he wants, he's blind for goodness sake. But the Lord actually pushed people to admit their position to ask him for his help. They needed to express that much faith. It wasn't faith that makes things... I don't believe in faith that makes things happen. I believe in faith that asks Jesus who makes things happen. They need to make their requests so that they will receive from him. If someone didn't come to Jesus and didn't ask of him, they'd go on being the same their needs would be unmet. And I often think that we would rather worry or complain than come and make our request. Oh, I haven't got this and this isn't happening. Make your request. Now, if I were to speak more about faith here this morning, the problem is some people think they know a lot about faith from what they've heard on the religious radio and TV channels. And i told you very plainly before that I think a lot of that is actually false teaching. Not all of it, but a lot of it is. So, I've got to choose some words that define what I want you to understand about faith. So, here's the next one Position yourself in dependence. I was struck this week in our Bible readings by that phrase in the pattern prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, but it's really our pattern. Give us today our daily bread. For some reason, my eye was drawn to that word daily. So, I went into it and looked it up in the Greek. And do you know what? It's nothing to do with today or tomorrow, it's actually that it's coming. It's arriving bread. It's coming bread. It's it's bread I don't have, but it will come. And the picture is exactly this. It's the manna. It's the manna. Remember in Exodus, and Numbers, you read about the manna. God provided the manna. It arrived in the morning. They had to go out and collect it. They brought it in. They they, they boiled it and baked it and made cakes with it and whatever else. And if they tried to keep it to the next day, it grew rotten, except on Friday when they collected twice as much and it stayed good until Saturday for the Sabbath. So they weren't to go out and collect it on the Saturday because God had provided for them. But day by day by day, they received from God. They couldn't keep it and store it and do whatever. They had to wait the next day. They had to receive again from God. That was the lesson of the manner, coming bread. And that phrase in that, that, that prayer that Jesus taught us sums up our whole way of life. It's not just about food on the table, folks, which implies even the cash flow that brings the food on the table for most of us. It's about every single thing that we need when we don't even realize we need, and God supplies. Give us this day our coming bread. Bread, our manner. And guess what? To cut it all off, the true manner. Jesus' words is Himself. He's the true manner. Everything comes from Him. He's our source. He's our center. He's our focus. So position yourself before the Lord and recognize that everything comes from Him. I'm dependent. I'm not making it happen. I'm not producing the goods. It's not to do with, with my effort. It's His help. It's His supply. So this is being positioned to receive. Because I don't have, but He will give. I don't know the answer, but He will tell me. I don't have the resources, but He will supply them. Coming bread. Coming man. And it's... The, the things He gives us are good, but... He's the true manner. He's the source of all the rest. I'm looking to him for his help and provision. When Peter and John stood before a lame man in the temple entrance who was begging from them, Peter was moved to say to him, look at us. When he did, Peter went on to say, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Walk. Then Peter took hold of his hand and lifted him on his feet. My friends, where you look and how you look makes a whole lot of difference. Where your focus is. You're looking at yourself. Mm, Not a lot of good news there. You're looking at the problem. Whoa, that seems to get bigger the more you look at it. Or are you looking to the Lord? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I'm going to go through these fairly quickly, I'm headlining. Position yourself before God's Word. See, bread and manna are also pointers to the Word of God. The Son of God, Jesus, but also to the Word of God. Jesus, quoting Deuteronomy, said this, and again it's a lesson about the manna. It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Here it is from Moses in Deuteronomy. He humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your fathers had not known, so that you might learn. Let me do a John Glass. Someone say with me, learn. 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 That man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. We do food and health. Oh, health's a big one. My health comes from the Lord. That's two. So what do I do when I get sick? I ask Him for His help. We depend upon hearing the Word of God. It's food for us, real food. And we find it in the Bible. Position yourself with open eyes an open heart and open ears to see the truth, to seek great things from His Word, to hear His voice speaking. You see, when I'm reading my Bible, I, I can go through the motions, but I'm you know, some days, better days, I'm on a treasure hunt. What does God want to say to me today? How does he want to speak to me? How does he want to encourage me? How does he want to challenge me? How does does he want to give me something that I can share with other people? Even today. I like this phrase. Oh, you can't see the picture. Sorry, there's a Bible, which is too dark. Complaining about a silent God while your Bible is closed is like complaining about not getting texts when your phone is turned on. <laughs> <laughs> one of the emails from the Bible app people this mo- this morning, this morning, one of the emails said, uh, "God is speaking. Are you listening?" And they were advertising the fact that you can listen to the audio, the audio Bible. You know. Hey, if you listen, God will speak to you. If you read, God will speak to you. God is not silent. Are you tuning in? Be open before his word. Position yourself before God's truth to be led, to be fed, to be guided, to be encouraged, to be empowered. Position yourself then in obedience. Because it's no good God saying something to you and go, yeah rain check I'll think about it be ready to receive from him including his instructions about what action of faith you must take let me tell you something, I know from experience very often when God wants to do something for you he'll give you one step you need to take before he steps in you need to begin to move and then you find his help, you find his energy let me tell you something, God doesn't prophesy, we do as the Holy Spirit moves us. Yeah? <laughs> Just, oh, suddenly. You have to kind of go, okay, Lord, here I go. And in witnessing to people, you have to begin the conversation, you have to make, let the first words come out of your mouth. And then, guess what? You find yourself carried along and helped by the Holy Spirit. There's an action of faith, there's a step you take. Day by day, let's go back to the manor again. I could preach this about the manna, but it's not about, I just felt to call it, what, what is your position? Manna. So they wake up. The is on the ground. Oh, thank you, Lord, you've provided the manna. <laughs> nice day, isn't it? <laughs> wake up, folk. What have you got to do? You've got to go and get the manna. And then you've got to do some inventive cooking with it, since you're eating the same stuff every day. It's not for nothing that the scripture says a lazy man should not eat. There are steps we need to take. Let me give you this. This is my own phrase. God works before, above, and beyond us, but rarely without us. He's always drawing us into partnership. He's always giving us something to do. The little bit we do doesn't make a heap of beans of difference. But it does in that we are expressing enough faith that we're trusting God. As we take the step, as we make the move, we're trusting God to help us. And we find that He does. He will work, He's at work without us, before us. He's above us and beyond us. But He rarely works without us, without some cooperation. On our part. He asked our response and action of faith. The Lord Jesus put mud on the eyes of one blind man and told him to go and wash it off. He needed to take this step. He needed to obey. He told a paralyzed man to get up, roll up his bed mat and walk. He needed to do it. Expecting that God was going to help him. What might he tell you to do? What has he already told you? Like those blind or crippled men, it's true of us too. You won't know the power and provision of the Lord until you do what he told you to do. Shape your heart to be ready, to be dependent, to be obedient. Learn to say it with Samuel, day by day, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I don't know how many I've got of these. A few. Position yourself to his priorities. See, there's this. Our hearts are sneaky and wicked, you know that? Some of you know it's true. Right? Yeah. Yeah. John Glass have commended you all of being so honest. I'm not <laughs> going And we tend to try to do these little deals. Yeah? A bit like the old Arthur Daly kind of character. Now, if you'll just do this to me, then I'll be all right and I'll leave it alone. Or, you know, if. I'll be alright and I can go back to, you know, uh, yeah? Can't do that, can you? Here's what Jesus said. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things we provided for you. Set your priorities. Make sure that what's first stays first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. What are all these things? The things that Jesus talked about in Matthew 6 there. Things the Gentiles seek after, unbelieving people. They seek after food and clothing and housing and goods. And then they want bigger and better. So, you ask for and receive the help of the Lord. But even when your health is recovered, or your cash flow improves, or you're enjoying more comfort in better circumstances... Don't let your heart fix on those things, but on the Lord and His greater purpose and promises for us. We are called to make the Lord, His kingdom and His righteousness our priority over even the necessities of life. When we do, He provides for us. But if our priority is seeking those things, not seeking God, we will lose in the long run. The Lord promises His continuing help and provision, His daily bread to meet all our needs, as we hold to His priorities. His provision is promised when we hold on to His priorities. Things that matter far more. His kingdom rule over us and through us. Jesus is King. It's easy to sing, Jesus is Lord and... And then you've got a decision to make later on in the day that really does determine whether what you say is true. Is Jesus Lord? Is He captain? Is He leader? Is He master? And righteousness. Let me just define righteousness very simply for you again. It's relationship with Him and a lifestyle of living as one of His dear children. Righteousness. Position yourself to his priorities. That means a turning around. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm too I'm too mixed up with this. I need to turn around. Next one is position yourself with the believers. I know, I'm saying it again. Being a Christian is a shared life and experience. It is not a solo voyage. I just awarded someone going around the world on a yacht for his solo voyage. The thought of being on a yacht, all on your own, going around the world, drives me. Would drive me mad. One thing I, I know a bit how to sail. I was taught one time, but do I want to do that around the world? No way. Hey, the thing about being on a boat with a bunch of people is the people, as well as the wind and the weather and the sun. And it's, you're having fun with the people. You're in a you're in good company. Yeah. The quality of our Christian life is very much connected to the company we keep. The company we choose. The people we choose to spend our time. From this week's Bible readings again, because I'm doing the same Bible readings as the rest of you. Psalm 16. Protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I said to Yahweh, you are my Lord. I have nothing good beside you. As for the holy people who are in the land, the saints. Who are the saints? We are. You are. As for the saints who are in the land, they are my noble ones. All my delight is in them. What's the psalmist saying? My delight is to be with your people. To be spending time with them. Keeping company with the saints of God and the children of when we get back into Hebrews, we'll come again to this scripture. Ten fourteen. Let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our worship meetings. The, the Holman standards adding a little bit in there. It actually says you're gathering together, which is all kinds of gathering together for scripture, As some habitually do, but encouraging one another, all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need one another especially in the context of Hebrews there, where these people are about to face severe trial. And the, the writers say, hang in together, stay together, encourage one another, because that when the trial hits, you're going to need one another deeply. One of the things we need to stay on track as a Christian is good company, to be with believers, good brothers and sisters, to see one another, build one another up, provoke one another, correct one another. The harder life gets, the busier we are, the more we need such fellowship. The lie is this. You're too busy. It's a lie. And there's some degrees of busyness we can deal with and we can put away. I refuse to be busy with social media. I just will not do it. If you think I'm rude because I don't reply to stuff, you need to talk to, to me, you know, not to Facebook because I... I'm not going to go to Facebook to find out what you say. All right? You might think I'm being really rude, but I just don't do it. I'm not searching everybody's news. I'm not doing it. So if you want me to know something, tell me. Please. Because I do not do I do not go hunting to find out and do research. Why? Because it's extraordinarily time consuming. Some of us are up at night watching TV programs or text doing this and this and this when we should be sleeping and then we complain we're tired. There's some busyness we choose for ourselves and I'm saying stop it. We need to make some choices about where we spend time so that we are built up. We spend time for the good of our souls. It's a phrase I'm going to use three times this morning the good of your soul. We need to know what's good for us. And fellowship is good for us. Okay, one more. I think it's one more, more. Position yourself to forgive, to give, and to serve. That's a strange mixture, isn't it? Well, yeah, I'll put them together. Forgiving, giving, serving. They have one image in my mind that connects them. An open hand. Only an open hand can receive see. see children are very good at this if you say would you like would you like a sweetie they go <laughs> usually with two hands don't they, they they've got it they've got it tapped you know you want something the thing is if your hands are full of stuff you've got to drop the stuff before you can get it you're grasping onto this and holding onto that then your hands are not open and you're going I wish God would give me so and so drop the stuff (laughs) open hands we let's do about this on forgiveness on forgiveness Jesus said if you forgive people their wrongdoing against you your heavenly father will forgive you as well but if you don't forgive people your father will not forgive you your wrongdoing What's that a picture of? We need to live in a flow of grace and mercy. I depend every day on the goodness of God, and the mercy of God, and the grace of God. But I need to learn to be gracious and merciful and forgiving to others. Otherwise, I'm doing this. I refuse to give away what I've received for free, albeit at the cost of the blood of Christ. We live in the flow of God's grace and mercy, constantly giving forgiveness and being forgiven. Like a stream, when the when the water flows, it's fresh and good. But if you stop the flow, the water becomes stagnant. Yeah. Okay. I think I've said that later as well. It's what happens to us too if we close our hands or not. on giving too. On giving, we we try to do the sort of deal that Jacob put cooked up. You know, if you give me, then I'll give back to you. Well, that's, that kind of works to start with. But well, then Jesus throws this one at us, you know, like a whoa, whoa, curveball. He says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. The picture here is you, you hold out your bag, and you, you're kind of holding it out around, you know, in front of you. It's your, it's your lap, you know, and the bag is getting filled and pushed down and filled again until it's, rim, it's falling over the edges. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You want to live in stinginess, then choose to be stingy. You want to live in generosity of supply, then you need to be generous. The measure you use will be measured to you. The attitude of heart, in giving, in generosity, defines us. Not only in what we are giving, but what we receive too. Our instinct is to want to get before we give, but Jesus teaches the other way around. Scripture also says that God loves a cheerful giver. I'm not giving you all the scriptures this morning, isn't it? Why does God love a cheerful giver? Why does He love to find a generous heart and an open hand? I'll tell you why. Because He made us in His own image, though we are now broken and fallen. The image of God in us is now broken. Calvin, John Calvin said, it's as if we were a mirror reflecting God's great glories of holiness and beauty and integrity and all of these things, but we is now a shattered mirror. It is a shattered mirror. When by his grace we come to faith in Jesus and we're being restored to the image of God, as we learn, as we grow, particularly as we grow in terms of generosity, when God's goodness and generosity begins to be mirrored back to him in our attitudes and actions, God rejoices over us because finally he's seeing his image in those he made. He loves those who from their hearts give faithfully, generously, sacrificially because in that way they're showing themselves to be his dear children. Indeed. It's the family image. The generosity and goodness that God shows towards us we learn to show ourselves. Serving also comes into this. Jesus is the servant of Yahweh who came not to be served, but to serve. So when servanthood is working out from our heads and our hearts through our hands, we are being true followers of our Master. And again, the Father is well pleased with us because we are mirroring His Son, Jesus. I've put it it's in my notes here with a picture. Think of ourselves, every one of us as being like a stream. When the water flows and continues to flow, it's fresh and good. But if you stop the flow, the water becomes stagnant. It will happen to us too if we close our hearts and we close our hands from forgiving, giving, and serving. Prepare yourself to please and honour the Lord through mercy, through generosity. And the last one, I know this is the last one I remember, is this, position yourself towards the world. I feel this nice saying too. Let me just summarize some of the things we've learned from John's Gospel and 1 John and other places in recent years. My friends, we are in the world, that's pretty obvious, but we're not of it. Be careful not to love what you can so easily lose in this life. See my new car? They're easily broken up, aren't they? They're easily bashed up, they're easily breaking down. And you know. nice houses need fixing quite often to stay nice houses. Be careful not to love what you can so easily lose. We are called to love the Lord, not the world. We engage with the world, but do not compromise with or conform to the world. In fact, Scripture says this, 1 John, If we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. James, punchy old James, says uh, that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Does that mean we don't talk to people who aren't Christians? Of course it doesn't. But it means if we cuddle up and compromise, we're trying to make ourselves more acceptable by dumbing down things that are true. Or we're just changing our behaviour so we fit in, we don't look different, we don't want to look different, we don't we don't we don't appear to be holy, for goodness sake. That's friendship with the Lord. Paul mentions the man called Demas three times. Twice he commends him as a co worker and companion the third time, very sadly, in 2 Timothy, Paul says that Demas had deserted him because he loved this present world. Demas did well for a good while. But there came a time when the world wrapped around his heart. And he was no longer a worker in the gospel. That is a major reason to this day why people give up on church. Jesus defined it in the parable of the seed and the soils. The cares of this world. The cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world. Cause there to be an unfruitfulness. Okay, I'm going to wind up. So. I called the ship wayfarer because guess what you and I are? Pilgrims. Pilgrims, we're on our journey through from the grace of God, having found us, to the grace of God bringing us home to be with Him. We're pilgrims we're on a journey. We are not of this world. And uh, you know, I, 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 am a citizen of the United Kingdom, and I'm kind of glad, but at the moment I'm not an American, but never mind. Go that way. But my real citizenship is not listed on the electoral roll, but on the heavenly roll. That's my real citizenship. We are on a journey to arrive at home with our Lord Jesus. On the journey, wayfarer, pilgrim, what is your position? Where are you? Where do you need to be? what do you need from the Lord what do you hope for what are you asking for how do you expect to receive it what has he said to you about the step of faith that you must take you see John was saying last week we're open to receive but you need to be in the position to receive you know he talked about open hands he talked about being an open furrow openness I'm just adding a little bit more to that thought Today, how do we need to position ourselves? How do you need to position yourself to hear, to obey, to receive, to give, to serve?